Business Women Rock, episode 19. Ladies, it's time to rock. Welcome to the Business Women Rock podcast, where we get down and dirty with the world's most incredible business women. Inspire your journey by listening to theirs. And now, here's your host, Katie Kremitzos. What's up, ladies? I am so excited you're here at the Business Women Rock podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. We've got another great one for you today. Trina Spear is here talking about how she's built her company, Figs, which we're going to get into just a little later. But first, I want to share with you a quote that I came across on Facebook that really had an impact on me. It was a quote that Elizabeth Gilbert had put out on Facebook, and it said, if you want something you've never had, do something you've never done. And I wanted to bring that up today because it hits so close to home for me. This is actually a mantra that I began saying to myself at the beginning of the year because I really wanted to make this year the year for huge things. And I knew that I couldn't make it a year of huge things if I didn't take huge steps in directions that I've never taken before. So as we are approaching the second quarter of this year already, I challenge you to think about those things that you want for yourself this year and what you're doing in order to get them. Me? I'm doing a podcast. Do you know how terrifying this is for me sometimes? I was never really in the space of being this radio personality or somebody who understood broadcasting. Every single episode I put out has a certain amount of fear and trepidation that comes along with it. And I can't help but think to myself from all of these women that I've interviewed who continue to tell me the same thing, which is if there's no fear that exists in the actions that you're taking, then you're not taking the right actions towards greatness. So I'm going to continue to kick fear right between the eyes so that I can bring you some great business stories. Trina Spear and her partner, Heather Hasten founded Figs back in 2012. Figs is a brand of medical scrubs. You know, when you go to the hospital and the nurses are wearing scrubs and the doctors are wearing scrubs, well, Figs is a new brand of scrubs that actually brings in fashion and comfort and usability. It's an incredible product. They have had such huge success already, and Trina has some really great stories on how they built the business from a grassroots level all the way up to being able to get $2 million in funding last year. She is on fire. This is not just about her business system. This is not just about scrubs. This girl is on fire about an entire movement. So turn up the volume. The interview starts now. Trina, thank you so much for being here on the show today. I really appreciate you coming by. Great to be here. Excited to be a part of this. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you. Now, we were originally supposed to have a conversation with you and Heather, your business partner. And uh, I know at the last minute she had to fly away and couldn't be here with us today. But I'm really excited to talk to you about the experience you guys have had building your company, Figs. So what I really want to know is how in the world did the two of you even meet in the first place to become partners for this company? So we actually met through mutual friends a number of years ago. Um, I kind of heard that she was toying around with the idea, um, reached out to her. At the time, was working on Wall Street at Blackstone. Felt like I was selling my soul to the devil every day. <laughs> I mean, wanted to be as part of something more meaningful. We started talking about the idea and went from there and moved out to L.A. from New York about a year ago. 
Okay, so you mentioned your experience with Blackstone and selling yourself to the devil. Tell me about some of the good things that came out of working with Blackstone. What, what kind of things were you doing? What kind of business experience were you getting there? So I had worked really my entire career, about 10 years on Wall Street at a number of different investment banking and private equity firms. And it's a great, it's an incredible place to start your career. It was an incredible place for me to learn and grow and work with, you know, pretty much some of the smartest people I'll ever work with. It's just an incredibly challenging and, you know, inspiring environment to be in. But at the same time, the reason I made that comment was because, you know, there's, there's something to be said about, in my mind, I wanted to make a bigger Im- impact and do something in a, in a different way. But, you know, I was working in sales. I was doing deals in investment banking and in private equity. Um, and some of the skills that that gave me was, you know, really working on very challenging assignments and having to get that done pretty quickly, interacting with people that maybe at the age of 22, 23, I maybe shouldn't have been interacting with and working with. So, you know, in investment banking, I was, you know, working directly with the CFO of Nokia, right, and sitting across the table. So that gave me a lot of confidence as when starting a business and going throughout my career to be able to talk to people from all walks of life and with many different backgrounds. So you mentioned that you and Heather had sort of been toying with this idea and with the idea of figs, and Heather had sort of had been working on this concept. Tell us a story of how the concept even came about. How did this idea of, you know, really sort of forward-moving, fashionable scrubs come about? So Heather is actually at, uh, she was having coffee with one of her friends who's a nurse nurse practitioner who had been one for about 13 years, and she, you know, she had run from the hospital, and she was wearing her scrubs, and Heather's like, what are you wearing? Those are really bad. And she's like, these are my scrubs. This is pretty much all that's out there. Um, and Heather was just like fascinating. She's like, she's like, all right, I'll find you something better. Basically spent three months just trying to find her friend better scrubs. Um, couldn't find anything. And having worked in fashion, her background is really fashion. She worked at Levi's. She had two other companies. Um, she said, give me your scrubs. She brought them to her tailor and her manufacturing people. Um, and she changed the inseam, shortened it, brought in the shoulder, changed the stitching, changed some of the design and said, so her friend here, you know, here <laughs> you can go back to the hospital and actually feel a little bit better about going to work every day. Everyone was like, you know, to her friend Allison, everyone was like, where did you get those scrubs? And she's like, actually, my friend made them for me. And they all started calling Heather. And Heather's like, I don't have time to fix everyone's scrubs. <laughs> like, I'm getting all these calls. Like, I have another business to run. Um, and, you know, and from there, she's like, maybe I do. And, you know, launched a couple thousand units, sold out relatively quickly, about in three months. Um, and, and that's really how it got started. And I came on board around that time, just working with her more on the sales side. And, uh, and that's really how it started. One of the most unique things about FIGS as an organization is the fact that you allow sort of direct-to-consumer or consumer-to-direct buying potential, meaning usually nowadays when a nurse wants to go get scrubs, they really have to go to your local store, they have to go down the street or whatever it is and sort of choose from whatever items are there. You guys allow a direct buying opportunity through your website. So you are an e-commerce business, right? Yes, exactly. It's a pretty big misconception in the industry that because most people think it's just selling to hospitals and hospitals are making making the purchases on behalf of the employees, but it's actually mostly a B2C industry where people, 90% of the industry, people are buying their own uniforms from, as you said, local uniform, the mom and pop uniform retailer stores or, um, you know, discount aggregated sites where you have a lot of brands on there selling. Um, but we're one of the very few solely branded e-commerce sites going direct to the consumer. 
once you and Heather got together and said, okay, yes, this is viable. We've now, you know, she has sold, you know, a thousand um, units and we know that it's actually working. What did you do to prepare to actually launch as a company? Yeah. I mean, I think it really starts, especially for me coming from a, you know, from finance, I, I think for us, it really started with the customer. What does the customer want? So how do you do that? For us, we're targeting the medical community and medical professionals. So at first, we weren't even about really building a website yet. We were like, okay, let's build, we, you know, she had built the product. Our motto, she builds it, I sell it. So, <laughs> or like, you know, that's how we split up our roles. But really, it was about going to hospitals, sitting in the cafeteria, talking to medical professionals. Neither of us are from the medical community and seeing, is this really a problem? Do people want something different? The majority of scrubs out there are ill-fitting, baggy, uncomfortable, and all, all around really unsexy. Um, and so we are creating kind of the alternative to that, but we had to see if that was really a need. So we spent our time in hospitals. We, we sold out of the back of our cars. I mean, literally grassroots kind of word-of-mouth start. And then from there, after seeing that people do care, they do want something better, building something a little bit more robust and launching the website. And I know you said that's a big endeavor, but really, it's not that hard, and I think this is another misconception, is that you could launch your e-commerce business pretty easily. There's a lot of websites out there that are back-end solutions, Shopify, Magento, Volusion, Weebly, just to name a few, that you can launch a website, improve a product, improve a market relatively easy in a relatively short period of time. And that's something that a lot of, not, I think people are overwhelmed when they say, you know, e-commerce business, wow, there's a lot, there definitely is a lot to go into that. But the website, you know, you could, you could do that, you know, relatively cheaply in a relatively short period of time. I think that's great. Now, did you guys have, at that point when you were actually putting these pieces together, did you have a business plan? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to accomplish? We definitely had a business plan, but I think another thing I would say is that we had these big goals and this big vision for changing the medical apparel industry, changing this massive $9 $9 billion industry that has had no innovation for the past 100 years, right? That's the vision. That's what we believe in firmly, that there was a problem and we wanted to create a better solution. But at the beginning, when you're just starting, what you want to do is you just want to prove that you could sell something. If I make a better product, will people buy it? Will people connect with it? So I think people sometimes get overwhelmed by, oh, what should I be a C-Corp or an S-Corp? And how am I going to build my financial model? And should I hire a CTO and a CFO and all these things? I think at the beginning, all you really want to do is you want to build something and see if people will buy it. And then all the other pieces kind of come together after that because you've already proven that there's a need. At what point were you guys actually producing and overseeing manufacturing? To be honest with you, this was a very... Um, I feel very fortunate that Heather is my co-founder business partner because she has a very long background in and experience in manufacturing. So, you know, that was something that she has those relationships in place. She's had them for a long time. So it was really about calling on people that she had worked with in the past and, you know, and getting going. At the same time, the thing that's interesting about what we're doing is that there's no real scrub manufacturers that know how to manufacture the type of scrubs and lab coats and medical apparel that we're creating. We had to do fabrications from scratch because we were concerned with antimicrobial fabric and creating a comfortable enough fabric that you could go to work, but at the same time be durable, really ideal, creating fabrications that were ideal for the medical setting. Um, and scrub manufacturers weren't used to that. And on the fashion side, fa- fashion manufacturers 
weren't used to making scrubs, right? They're, they're focused, you know, athletic manufacturers that work with, you know, Under Armour and Lululemon and all these athletic companies weren't used to making medical apparel and the medical manufacturers weren't used to making something that was a bit more technical. So it was about finding the right people on the manufacturing side. And it was great that we had a lot of those relationships, but to create something that really hadn't existed before. So, you know, it took a long time and we're still perfecting our fabrications. We're still perfecting our supply chain, but you know, it's about iteration. So, you know, maybe your product 1.0 isn't the best, but at least you get it out there, you get feedback and then you're able to improve upon it. And I think that's the, that's the uh, philosophy we've taken on the manufacturing side. Okay. This isn't perfect, but it's good enough. Okay. And we'll get feedback on it and we'll improve. So what advice would you give to any of our listeners out there who have a product and they want to go to manufacturing or they're in that process of finding, you know, their manufacturing pipeline, basically being able to fulfill, what advice would you give them about being able to find the right manufacturer and being able to produce and deliver, um, you know, the top quality of, of what their product is? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're in the age of ubiquitous information, and I think you can find online even. <laughs> like, if you don't have relationships, right, like, where do you start? Like, Google, um, you know, manufacturers in specific industries. I mean, Heather at the beginning would walk into scrub manufacturers and say, hi, my name is Heather. What do you do? You know, you can get a lot of places just by being persistent and walking through the door and seeing what people do and how they can help you. People want to be more helpful than not, I think. And, you know, when you're asking someone to create a product for you or help you create a product, you come in there with a vision and you believe in yourself and you tell them what you really want to do and your vision for it. And I think Heather's done a great job in the manufacturing side on doing that. And you get farther than you think. You mentioned before that, you know, building up your company, you really, from the very get-go, were just kind to prove the concept, like prove you could actually get sales from this. So it's a very grassroots effort. You guys were selling out of your car. So at what mm-hmm. point did you guys decide to actually go after and get funding? Right. So we probably, we were selling for about five, six months before we, it, 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 on our website. So not just, you know, in hospitals. We did, a, we did do a lot of hospital lobby events, which was great for us because unlike traditional fashion, we knew exactly where our customer was. We knew their eat, sleep, work. We knew where they were pretty much at all times, which was great. So we set up all these lobby events. We got to know the administration within each hospital um, and started selling literally in the lobby of hospitals, which is a great way to get started and get feedback. Then once we created the website, you know, obviously we were able to have greater distribution across the country. And then after six months, we realized we wanted to scale quicker um, and we, you know, reached out and raised about $2 million. So I want to, I want to back up just a second. Cause you, my understanding is that you sort of had two different phases of fundraising and one was, you know, sort of a move that you made to get involved with upstart.com. And then the second one was really, you know, doing this, fee, this seed funding and raising this $2 million. So, and they're kind of related. So can you get a little bit further in depth with the experience you had with upstart.com, what it actually is, because it's sort of this amalgamation between crowdfunding and investing, but you utilize that in a very unique way. Can you explain your experience there? And then and then secondarily, the experience that you had actually raising the funds, um, these $2 million that you just raised this past year. So I was working on SIGs while I was still at Blackstone. Um, there was a period of overlap there where I was you know, deciding whether this was the right thing for me to do full time. And I thought the best way to make the transition from leaving my very secure and safe job to going and doing something very entrepreneurial was to put myself 
on Upstart. Upstart is a platform that connects um, investors, they call them backers, with people that are looking for capital, whether you're just out of college or out of business school or leaving a company. Even if you wanted to just stay within a company but you need access to capital, Upstart is uh, very unique in that it gives access to individuals versus other things that give access to companies or to businesses that are larger. So I think it's very unique in that it is a place where people can go have access to capital. For me, it was great because as I was leaving Blackstone to start to start big, I was able to put myself out there and connect with people that were looking to invest in people. So, you know, I think we're, as a society, we're kind of shifting. People are no longer just concerned about your resume and what you've done in the past. I think we're shifting to this mindset of what who who are you? Like, what do you believe in? What drives you? Where do you want it? Where are you headed? And I think Upstart was great for that because it really got the story out there. I'm Trina Spear. This is where I'm from. This is what I've done. And this is what I want to do. Um, and people connected with that and they invested in me through Upstart. And then I was able to kind of, you know, use that as a launching pad to then raise more capital from other outside VCs and strategic partners. And you were really doing that because through Upstart, you were getting recognition. There was kind of light getting shed on you. People were learning about your story, and it enabled you to really build some relationships there that, that enabled you to get into further conversations with some significant investors, right? Yeah. So we so two of the backers that, that invested through Upstart ended up investing in the company, and then they made some introductions to venture capital firms. So I do think it was a great way to put myself out there and tell the world, this is what I'm doing. It was public information. I had a profile. Um, and then, you know, ha- having those people then invest in the business and introduce me to other venture capital firms probably made up about 200 to 250000 of the $2 million that we ended up raising. So it was a great way to, you know, launch the process. What lessons did you actually learn in raising that capital? And how long did that take you? So it took us about four months. Some lessons along the way is that, number one, I think, you know, a lot of people get overwhelmed by, oh, it's a venture capital meeting. What is it that, you know, you have to have all of these things. And you do. You have to know your market. You have to know the opportunity. You have to know your competitors. But at the end of the day, for us, it was about going into these meetings and telling a story. These are people just like you and me who want to be inspired and they want to feel like they're a part of something really big. And I think for us, it was about telling that story in a very, you know, an authentic way, just like, you know, I'm talking here. It was sitting across the table from people that want to believe in something and they want to understand the metrics and they want to understand the numbers, but they also want to know what drives you. And it's the same thing about Upstart. It's the same thing about investors, whether it's a venture capital firm, whether it's an angel investor, whether it's, you know, your mom and you're telling your mom why you're leaving Blackstone to start a company. You know, people want to feel that you're doing something that means something. Um, so I think that was the biggest lesson. I got a lot more comfortable through the process on telling our story. I think at the beginning I was like, here's the market, here's this, here's that, you know, it was almost robotic. And then, you know, as you go through the process, it's like, you know, this industry has been around for a hundred years. These are the players. This is why we're different. And just repeating that and telling it as it is, you know, people connected with it. The other thing I'd say about fundraising is that, you know, it's, it's just the start. It's not the end goal. I think people get really pumped up about, I raised this much money. Now, now I'm successful. And the bottom line is that's, that's not true at all. I mean, it's really for us, it's about, how well we're doing. I mean, fundraising definitely helps you grow and helps you build your business. But at the end of the day, like you have to, you have to actually make it work. 
And if and now more than ever, we have more pressure to do that, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Our investors give us a lot of great introductions to people at hospitals and to strategic partners. But at the same time, there's more pressure to really become, you know, a hundred million dollar company, a billion dollar company. So um, there are definitely pros and cons. And fundraising is, you know, in many ways, I like to say that it's, it's kind of bullshit. Sales are what is what matters. And, you know, what we like to say is sales solve all problems. That's something I look at. I have a sign on the wall that says sales solve all problems. It's not about the money you raise. It's about can we make this work? Can we connect with our customer? And can we build a real business? I love that. Can your business system actually prove itself and really, really work for the positive? And that's really funny that you mentioned that because I absolutely agree with that is that, you know, this idea of fundraising is really sexy. And when you come across companies who are like, oh, I raised a million dollars. Oh, I raised $20 million, whatever it is. Um, you know, there are definitely times that I have seen that that becomes sort of a cloak in front of what's actually the business going on here. Like what, what's actually happening here? What problem is it solving? How is it earning money? How is it creating jobs? How is it doing all these really great things that a business can do? Because it's just, you get so excited and get caught up in the fact that you've got this great, you know, multi-million dollar number in front of all the investments that you've been able to raise. Yeah. It's like so funny to me too, because people call me all the time, like, congrats on your fundraise. And it's like, that doesn't mean anything. Like now I actually have to like build this. And not only that, I have to like, you know, build it bigger than ever. So I, I think it's just funny this, like this outside sex appeal of fundraising, um, and then when you're actually in it, you know, it, it's great to raise money. Don't get me wrong. It gives us a lot of flexibility to, to accomplish all of our goals. But at the same time, that is not what a business is. You know, it, it's, there are so many things that, you know, like you actually have to, we're building a movement. You know, we're, we're building a medical apparel movement. We're building something that's bigger than ourselves. We, you know, for every set, we'll talk about threads for threads, but for every set of scrubs that we sell, we give it that the medical professionals in need. I mean, that's bigger than anything, right? So I think, um, you know, I think people need to kind of move beyond this, like, sexy fundraising. Let's move right into what you just mentioned. Talk about, this is also one of the things that makes you as a company and your product so unique. Talk a little bit about the threads for threads. So as I said, for every set of scrubs that we sell, we give a set to medical professionals in need. Um, it's actually a huge problem that there are millions of healthcare providers around the world who can't afford or access clean scrubs. They're operating many times. We were in Kenya in October, um, seeing if, you know, Heather has been on more of these medical missions that I have, but I saw firsthand, you know, people operating in 30 jeans and a t-shirt literally spreading disease and infection from them to patients and back to them. Um, it's a huge problem. So over the, it's been a huge mission of ours over the past year and a half. We've reduced the hospital acquired infection rate by 66%. We partner with other organizations that help us execute on, on this part of our business. So we're partnered with International Medical Corps, Project Cure, Doctors Without Borders. And, you know, it's really important. And more than anything, I think, what what's so um, powerful is the way it changes the way you feel about yourself, and that's not that's not only true for the medical professionals around the world. That's also true for the medical community in the U.S. When you put on, I think more than any other fashion piece, what we're so passionate about at Figs is that when you put on a set of scrubs, it really does change the way you think about yourself. You're now a doctor. You're now a nurse. You're now telling the world. This is what I do. I will, I, I am your doctor. I'm going to care for you. I'm your nurse. I'm going to care for you. And that's really, really powerful. And to, and to see, you know, a nurse in the middle of Kenya who, 
who is operating in not a uh, you know a sterile uniform, and to then have that first set of scrubs and see how that changes the way they think about themselves. I mean, it's incredible, and and that really keeps us going, and, and you know, it makes it more than just about you and me and the biz, you know, in the business, and it ma- really makes it a global impact. I love that, and I love 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 your passion. Can you talk a little bit about you know? You guys have been in business since 2012. What have been some of the major challenges that you've had since then? One of the things that we started that um, that we were really passionate about, and it was actually one of the reasons we raised money, people were really excited about it, was that we were we started a nurse ambassador program. So there are a number of businesses that have MLM components, multi-level marketing. So we were actually offering nurses commissions to sell to their colleagues and friends. And the reason we were so passionate about it was because our customers are all in concentrated places and they're always, you know, we noticed that the minute we would get into a department in a hospital, we would get a lot of sales within that department. So it is kind of like a viral thing once you get into a hospital. And so we were really excited about building out this program where we would essentially offer nurses, mainly nurses and some doctors, a secondary line of income for selling to their friends and colleagues, right? And that's been a challenge for us. So mainly MLM businesses, um, I'll name a few others. I don't know if you heard about this, but like Stellan.Dot does it, um, Jay Holburn. And the majority of MLM businesses succeed because there are a lot of like stay-at-home moms that have the time and energy to do that, to go around and sell and, and make that a primary part of their life. What we found is that our customer is very much busy and, and, and on their feet working for 14 hours a day, and that's not really their core competency, i.e. sales. So that was a, uh, a program that we still have a few people that do it and do well with it, but it's not really – it has been a challenge area for us, um, and, you know, we haven't pursued it since we realized that it's not really a part of our business anymore. You're obviously very passionate about sales and your skill set is definitely in sales. So can you talk about a few of the most successful um, strategic sales ideas that you have implemented that have worked really well? You know, I think for us, it's about at the end of the day, sales is just connecting with the people that believe in what you believe. So for, you know, I'm not going to try to sell our scrubs or our medical apparel to people that don't care about looking good, right? Our product is a on the higher end of where, you know, where the industry is. And it's for customers that it's for nurses and doctors and medical professionals that really do care about how they look and they want to feel good and they want to look good. And so my sales strategy is about finding those people that believe in what we believe and care about giving back and care about looking good and feeling good. So, you know, we do a lot of different things. We do email marketing, which is great. We do a lot on social media. Um, And then it's, I think our biggest sales achievements or success stories have been on the ground at hospital lobby, at doing our hospital lobby events, outside of hospitals, connecting with people. I do a lot of medical conferences. You know, we set up a booth, 10 by 10 booth, and we tell our story. You know, it's really about connecting from you to another person and then, you know, believing in what you believe, telling, and then going to tell their friends about it. Um, and that's the best way we've been able to kind of build the business. And you, obviously, even though you're an e-commerce business, you still continue to have a very grassroots grounds type of an operation. So what percentage of your sales really comes from, you know, sales made on the ground through these conferences and things like that versus coming through the website? 
I think it's hard to say because I think the conferences and some of our more grassroots efforts are more about brand awareness. I think so. The majority of our business is still online. Eighty to ninety percent is B two C online through our website. We do have some bigger hospital orders. So we're in UCLA, we're in Cedar Sinai, we're in Mount Sinai. Um, so we have big department orders that purchase on behalf of the department. That's a smaller piece of our business, but we're growing it. Um, but I think it's about, I think, you know, branding and, and marketing is moving beyond just like, I'll have a website and sell. I think it's moving towards experiences. So for us, it's about building out the best experiences for our customers. We're launching in the next two months a big partnership with a large retailer. Actually, it's Crocs. Um, I can talk about it. We're going to officially announce, but your your listeners are the first to hear. We're launching um, essentially uh, shopping shops or pop-up shops within Crocs' stores. And that's about connecting, once again, with our customer, connecting with the medical professional. They have a huge medical division called Crocs Rx, so it's a great partnership for us. And building experiences, we're building out, you know, I can't talk through exactly what we're doing, but it's going to be really cool and different and nothing that anyone's ever done in this industry. And and that is what essentially makes, I think it, what makes brands different. It's what makes companies different is when you constantly come up with different ways to connect with your consumer. It's not just about selling online. How do I connect with them at a medical conference? We might be doing fashion shows at New York Fashion Week. I mean, that's something that we, we, we've been actually approached on, um, setting up these pop-up shops in different you know, places around the world so people could actually feel and touch and get to know our product better, get to know our brand better. There are so many things that you can do to always kind of keep it fresh, keep it new, and, and connect with people. I think that's fantastic and very holistic. I really like that approach to your marketing and your branding. But it's also a challenge, I would say, because some people are like, what is your one distribution? Like, you have to focus. <laughs> you know, people, are, even investors, right? You have to focus on one thing and do that thing well. What we've found is that a multi-channel approach is what works best for us. We will be selling to hospitals. We will be selling online. We will be selling through other retailers. And that's okay. Right. And we, to your point, we do take a more holistic approach and that doesn't work for everyone, but it definitely works for us. What do you guys do in the space of social media and any online marketing strategies that you use? So we do email marketing. We do paid media. So we do, um, we buy Google AdWords. We, we do Facebook ads. We do, you know, we, we have a blog, which is really important because especially with our, with our threads for threads initiative, it's important to tell the story in an authentic way. So we're always writing about the different areas that we're in, where we're giving back. So every medical mission we do, we get stories from the people on the ground there. We ourselves, when we go on them, we're writing about our experiences. And that really connects with people because a lot of our community is going on these medical missions. So not only are we supplying scrubs to people, to medical professionals around the world, that don't have scrubs or can't access them. We're also providing scrubs for the teams that are going on these medical missions. And, you know, a ton of hospitals across the country are going all the time. So every month we're not only sending scrubs through Project Cure, through International Medical Corps, um, but we're also sending scrubs to the teams that are going and having them actually gift the scrubs to the people that they're working with on the ground, whether it's Botswana or South Sudan or Kenya or Haiti. We're in about 15 countries. We've given over 10,000 sets of scrubs. So really, really important. In order to really activate and um, effectively execute all of these different strategies that you're talking about and the manufacturing and keeping up with the website, you obviously have had to build out a really solid team. 
So what has been your strategy in building your team over these past two years? I know that you said you have a handful of full-time uh, team members as well as different contractors. What has been, what's been your key to actually leading that team and making sure everyone's sort of on the same course together? Yeah, I mean, I think it's about communication, open, honest communication, and frequent communication. Um, I travel a lot. I'm on the road, and a few other people that we that are on the team travel a lot. So it's really about getting on conference calls and always circling up and following up on, on everything that's going on. We're all running in different directions. So, you know, it's about finding people that are really believe in the mission. You could find people that will work for you no matter what you're doing, I think. There's always people that are looking for jobs, but for us, it's about finding people that really believe in what we're doing and want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And and it's hard to find. Like, in an interview, sometimes it's hard to know, you know, is this person going to get on board? Do they believe in what we believe? Are they, you know, are they going to be successful at this? So, you know, it takes time. Hiring is a big, probably one of our biggest challenges. Finding finding the people that um, that work well with your business is a, is a huge challenge and something that we work with on every day. Finding the best people for every role that we have within the company. You and Heather yeah. work together. You know, you obviously are in the in the very sales role. What was the what was the comment that you said before? She builds it, you sell it. She builds it, I sell it. Great. Yes. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about what are your roles as leaders of your company? And how do you guys really interact as a company and, and how do you guys manage those roles? So she focuses on everything product. That's how I would describe it. So she's really designing the product, working with our production team and in-house designer to, um, you know, to perfect the product. And then at the same time, she's focused on marketing and branding. I think they're very much intertwined. What do we stand for and how do we best uh, express the message through our website, through marketing campaigns, through um, even banners at a medical conference. She's really running all of that, even even down to where should this button go on the website. I mean, that's not specifically what she focuses on, but, you know, has that kind of creative direction of all things that our company touches. Very much focused on design. Um, her motto is that design makes ideas tangible. So, Although in our space, in our industry, design really doesn't drive a lot of our competitors. A big differentiator for us is that we make things look beautiful. And that's really important because it connects us to our customer and it all of a sudden changes the conversation and makes people care. When you see something that looks beautiful, you say, you know, people will stop in their tracks walking by our booth at a medical conference being like, what is this? What are you guys selling? You know, because our banners look awesome. So I think that really matters. So I focus on sales, getting out there, talking to our customers, understanding where do you want your pockets? I mean, little things like that. We're talking about the comfort, functionality, fit, what's the best, what do you care about in your lab coat, all of these different elements. Um, And then talking to hospital administrators about putting in more of hospital standardization programs. If you want to, you know, patient satisfaction scores, employee satisfaction scores are really important within hospitals. The best way to get those scores up is to put in standardization programs and say, this te- my RNs are going to wear blue and my surgeons are going to wear black and my anesthesiologists are going to wear green. So we've done a lot in kind of branding the top hospitals to standardize across their team. Any challenges that you guys have had in working together? I think sometimes we, you know, it's, it's important that we communicate, right? Because I'm giving, I'm talking to our customer probably more than she is. So I have to give her the feedback on the product. So that's important, right? Because sales and product have always got to be talking. 
okay, these, these, this is what our customer wants. This is what hospitals want. Can you go create that and build that? And so that's, that's really important. There's challenges in that. I mean, I think our biggest challenges is when we kind of step on each other's toes a little bit. Like I'll, I'll chime in on something that's really maybe not important, but I'll get worked up about a creative aspect that in the end is her domain. Um, and it's sometimes the little things that you bicker about. I'll be like, that color gray is like a little, like, you know, it's like stupid stuff. But, you know, it's hard to kind of remove yourself from this. It's not your domain. So I've had, that's been a challenge for me, to remove myself from decisions that I, I can't be involved in every decision, you know. That's just, that's not how, what's going to make us the most successful company that we can be. I should focus on what I'm good at. She needs to focus on what she's good at. And she's great at what she does, and I think I'm pretty good at what I do. So it's about um, splitting the roles and, and, and having the final say on our domain. So even if we have an argument, I have to then say, this is what I think is best for this aspect of our business. This is how we define it. Because at first, we would argue more about it. And then we said, okay, let's define our roles very specifically. And we'll always be talking. We'll always be collaborating. But in the end, who has the final say on this aspect? And that's been really helpful. How have you grown as a leader within your company over these past two years? I think I've become just a little bit more... This is, this is probably an interesting thing. So I think at the beginning, I, I came from like corporate America where, you know, I've actually been, I was pretty good at delegating. Um, and because you have these teams, you have your operations. I mean, at Blackstone, right? I had my operations team, my legal team, my this team, my that team. So I could just kind of outsource things and, and manage processes. And I think that's how I initially um, viewed my leadership role at FIGS was, okay, if I find a good person to focus on this, um, they, I can trust them to run with it. And I, and I even hearing, I mean, I think it's contrary to how other people view it. Oh, as a leader, I've learned to delegate more. I've actually probably learned to delegate less, <laughs> which is interesting because I think um, I've just had to be more hands-on. When it's your own company, you care a lot more, and the risk of things going poorly is a lot higher. So I've become, I think, a lot more hands-on as a leader and given way more direction than I used to give in my previous career. And that's not a bad thing. I, I think, you know, you learn to trust people over time and, and, and um, give up the reins more and more. But for, for me, it's about actually getting, um, oh, you know, way more involved than I think I used to be. We have a lot yeah. of our listeners who either they themselves are, are you know, professionals working in their corporate career and are thinking about owning a company um, and haven't made that transition yet, or people who have made that transition who are kind of struggling building their companies. You've made that transition very successfully. Can you, can you describe a little bit about what the biggest challenge was for you kind of stepping out of your corporate, your comfy corporate career, and how you really, and maybe some of those challenges that you had at the very beginning that you really had to overcome? I mean, probably the biggest challenge is just not being able, like you only really have yourself to rely on. I mean, also Heather, I was working with her closely, but at the end of the day, the buck kind of stops with you. Um, versus in a corporate job, you know, you have people above you, you have people below you, you have different teams to kind of help out. I mean, one day the internet's not working. I can't turn to the IT team and say, um, my internet's not working. <laughs> like, can you fix it? Like, that's me. Like, I need to fix the internet. So, I mean, that was a big, that was a big challenge for me, just having to rely on myself for everything and, and being, being every single team, um, within the company. That was, that was a challenge. And, um, but it's also exciting because it's, 
you're building it for yourself, which is a totally new type of inspiration and motivation. You're no longer, I always felt like I was building equity for other people. Um, and with now I'm building equity for myself, which, you know, it motivates you to say, okay, I need to fix this. I need to fix this quickly so I can get back to what I was doing. What business books have you read that, you know, have really made an impact on how you run your company? Um, I like reading Seth Godin's books, Malcolm Gladwell. I like reading kind of marketing and, and different ways of looking at business. Um, I read a lot of magazines and news and blogs. Um, but, you know, I think those are interesting books, but you have to figure out your way of doing things. Like, I don't think there's like a book that I would read and then say, oh, that's, that's you know, how I'm going to do that. Everything is specific to the business that you're running and the industry that you're in. But at the same time, you can, you know, definitely gain some insights um, after learning about other people's experiences. Trina, you obviously have a lot of passion and a lot of excitement about what you do. What keeps you fired (laughs) up? Like what keeps you coming into work every day, just, you know, jazzed up and ready to take on the world? Yeah. I mean, I think sales, you know, there's nothing like, like, uh, immediate gratification. I think this started when I was really young. I was working in high school at Johnny Rocket at the counter and I always wanted to get the counter because you immediately can, first of all, people tip quicker, right? People are in and out. So I would see exactly the amount. My whole thing was that whatever I put into that job, I would get out. And that, and that was true in investment banking too, where, you know, depending on how much work you put in, you would then be ranked at the end of the year and be paid upon based on that. And, you know, it's not that I'm, you know, I'm not like this person that's like, oh, I'm doing this for the money because I'm not doing it for the money because if I want to do it for the money, I would probably stay it on Wall Street. But there is something to be said on seeing progress. So that's really what gets me fired up. How much are we going to, how much are we going to move today? How much more are we going to grow today? How much more are we going to build out our business? Because the more we build our business, the bigger we become, the bigger impact we can make around the world, which is why our one-for-one model is so sustainable. Because the more scrubs that we sell, the more we give away. Um, so I love seeing our progress. I love seeing the excitement in the team and I love kind of meeting with our customers and seeing how they feel about us. And it's just so motivating when, you know, you're talking to a doctor or a nurse and they're like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. This is so different. This is so cool. Trina, I want to close this conversation today by asking what advice you would give to our listeners who, you know, at first I was going to ask you what advice you would give to listeners who want to build out an e-commerce business, but it's so obvious from this conversation that Figs is so much bigger than an e-commerce business. You really are a movement and you, you said that before. So we have plenty of listeners out there with passion and who really want to make an impact on this world. So what advice would you give to our listeners out there who really know that they are meant to, to, to lead a movement and to be able to build something that makes a huge impact? There's so many people who are, you're going to get so many people that are going to say, you know, when we first started raising money, everyone's like, you're never going to raise any money. And what is this medical apparel? Like they just don't, you know, get it. There's more naysayers than not. Right. No matter what you're doing. Um, and I think, you know, if you really want to start something and you're passionate about it, just go do it. And the more progress you make, the more people are going to start believing in it. And, the, and it's just so fascinating because I've seen it even from people that were like, what, you're leaving Blackstone to go make scrubs? That's ridiculous. And then I did, went and did it and people are like, oh, my God, 
I saw that article, you were in Forbes, and the, you know, it's just like the minute you actually go do it and you make a change and you, you can change people's, you know, perspectives, you change people's perceptions, you change the mindset of those around you, your friends, your family, and more broadly, the community that you're serving. Um, so my advice is just start with the little stuff. If, if it's a product that you're that you're that you're building, make the product and see if anyone wants it, and then worry about everything else later. Um, and if it's you know a, a tech idea or any other type of business, just don't talk to people about it. My advice is don't, like some people say, oh, talk to everyone about it. My advice is don't talk to anybody about it because you'll get more naysayers than not. Um, build it, and people will start kind of getting on board. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> yeah, and people, you know. People don't like that, you know, if you build it, they'll come because people want to iterate and do all that. But it's true. If you build the idea, build it out to the point where it's real, more real than not, people will jump on board and support you. Wow. Okay. So I know that I'm leaving this conversation incredibly inspired and totally on fire to go just kick butt out there in the world, in the business world. So Trina, I just really, really want to thank you first and foremost for your energy and for your passion during this conversation, for your openness about your experience. I know that there are plenty of lessons um, that are great takeaways from this conversation. So I really, really want to thank you. Big congratulations to you. Um, you guys can go to wherefigs.com to be able to see the incredible product that Trina has. And I just really want to thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. And I love what you're doing. It's really important. My biggest takeaway from Trina is really that no matter what our passions are, we really can be responsible for creating an entire movement that truly impacts other people. I mean, who really thought that scrubs would have any direct impact on anyone other than the fact that you got to wear some really comfy, cool-looking scrubs, right? But they made it into something that really, truly made a difference for them, for their company, for their team members, and especially for all of those people out there in the world who they were going to support. If you love the show, then go to iTunes and go give us a rating and go share it with just one other girlfriend, somebody who you think would really enjoy these conversations, somebody who you think would really get something from listening to these stories. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'll see you on the next episode. Mm-hmm.